basketball fans coming right back at you appreciate everybody for checking us out i uh been really looking forward to today's uh segment and show obviously first things first let's go ahead before we bring in our guest that's currently in the green room appreciate him for joining us as well um what you're listening to right now tate's take where basketball lives the one and only three level uh podcast basketball podcast that is i like to call it the best the most informational the most educational and um a basketball podcast on the planet in the podcast form obviously 94 feet by 50 feet wide uh be sure to follow along subscribe rate us the whole nine leave a review if you will uh anywhere you find your favorite podcast itunes google podcast spotify red circle stitcher streaming live on facebook as well as streaming live on uh, on YouTube as well. Uh, be sure to give me a follow on, on social media, on Twitter, as well as on IG or Instagram or the gram or whatever the cool kids say nowadays, uh, at Tate's Take Hoops. That's T-A-T-E-S, T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. Again, Tate's Take Hoops, hashtag where basketball lives. And I told quite a few people, I'm going to have a really awesome guest coming in today. Really happy that he can be able to uh, to join us. I'm getting ready to bring him in from the green room right now. Uh, that would be none other than Seth Greenberg, who just happens to be a uh, ESPN college basketball analyst, two-time ACC, two-time, two-time, like Ric Flair says, ACC Coach of the Year and podcast host. Make sure that you go and give that a follow. Uh, courtside with Greenberg at Dockage, anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Seth, good afternoon. How are you? Doing good, man. How you doing? You hanging in there? I'm hanging in there, man. Uh, despite all the craziness going on in 2020, I tell people all the time, good thing God's still blessing us uh, in the year of 2020. So really happy to have you here with us. Good to be here. Talk some ball. Life is good. Yeah, looking forward to it. And I want to get things started out first, obviously, with uh, obviously we're going to keep it college basketball based here. Uh, remember to follow him on set on social at, at Seth, Seth on Hoops, that is. Uh, let's start out with the transfers now being deemed eligible uh, immediately. Which teams does this affect or benefit the most, being able to have these players able to play right away? Yeah, the hardest thing is if, if a player was in the program and then practiced with the program, it's going to be an advantage. That's just, you know, that's just the kind of the way it is. Uh, Notre Dame's got a guy that's going to be eligible immediately, which will be absolutely used. Uh, you know, as you go along the country, the, the hardest thing people got to understand, and I hopefully you understand, Sean, is that, it's great getting guys eligible. It's harder to get them immersed in your identity and your culture, depending on where they were in terms of how long they've been on campus. The uncertainty when guys are sitting out, at least they're practicing. This has been an uncertain time. Like I talked to Steve Forbes the other day. They're going to try to play a game, I think, the 30th. They haven't practiced in three weeks. So you're going to see guys getting eligible on teams that haven't practiced. So, uh, you know, it's not going to impact – the very top of college basketball, but it will impact some teams. You know, I, I don't like to project guys out uh, before I've seen them play with their team because sure. roles mean something. And I don't think it's fair to their coaches because I don't think it's fair for a guy that has not played a game or you've not seen him. Usually by this time, I, I would have seen 30 or 40 practices. Until mm -hmm. I see a guy with his team, I don't want to say, well, you know, that guy's going to be the sixth man. That guy's going to be a starter. That guy's going to – because that's not fair to the coach who's seen him every single day. I haven't seen him at all with his group. 
Mm-hmm. You know, imagine if, if 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 that happened. I was coaching a team. Guy has never seen me t- my team practice. I get such a kick out of whether it's any sport, whether it's football, whether it's basketball, whether it's whatever sport it is. College football. They need to play that guy. <laughs> what a up. If you want practice every day, you probably have a better understanding why they're not playing that guy. So until I get a chance to really see him and evaluate that player in relation to other players, I don't get too excited. Mm-hmm. I, I did it for 36 years, man. I mean, you know, sometimes you, you have a transfer. Everyone thinks he's good. It's easy being on a scout team. Yeah. Shots are easy. The coach ain't yelling at you. It's not as important. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're the other team's best player and you're just letting that thing fly. Yeah. It's really good, Ben. Hey, now all of a sudden, when you have pressure of time and score, and you got to make good decisions, and you got to take good shots, and a bad shot is a turnover, basically, and a fast break the other way, it, it kind of can screw things up. So, I'm I'm not I'm not a typical I'm not a guru. I'm a basketball coach. I, sure. I look at these kids getting eligible, mm-hmm. at, from a coach's perspective, and it's going to take time. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The kid from Evansville that went to Memphis, can he make them better? I don't know. It's another dude that's going to need a shot. Mm-hmm. Like Brazilian on the Williams game, like, to, well, you know, he, he's going to make them better. Well, is he going to make them better? And now he's got to get his shots. Jeffrey's got to get his shots. Yep. I mean, yep. you know, Jonas uh, has got to get his shots. So, I mean, like, he's a good player. I mean, he scored like 16, 17 points a game at Evansville. Mm-hmm. Does he have an impact? I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how he's going to be used. So, as you go through this and you start looking at guys, what if he's a good player, but he's in a position that, they have a duplicate position, All right? So you're gonna you're gonna play that guy that you're playing 35 minutes a game. You're gonna play him only 25 minutes a game. Then you're gonna have two unhappy dudes. It's funny you say that, Seth, because obviously everybody looks a little different under the lights. You know, when you're not just that practice player, and obviously you get a chance to get in there and kind of get some reps and whatnot. And that's another reason why a lot of people hit me up and say, "Hey, I need the guru. I need your opinion on some of these kids that are coming out." I said, "Listen." I haven't seen them play on this level just yet. And not only that, but if if I haven't seen them play in person, I try to be very careful with the analysis that I give because seeing things on highlight tapes and highlight reels and different things like that's like everybody right now is on Twitter or on YouTube and, you know, those type of things. And so it's really hard to get uh, for me to give a fair evaluation of a kid uh, sometimes if I haven't seen them. Uh, in person and kind of like to your point of what you're saying. And and speaking of some of those things, we've obviously got probably the two biggest elephants in the room of teams in college basketball this year with Gonzaga and Baylor. Are you a guy that would say, and hopefully I'm not putting you on the spot too much here. Are you taking Gonzaga and Baylor or are you taking the field? If in the event you're taking the field, who would you put top five on your field list? I'd probably look at Gonzaga right now is playing at a different level. I mean, but there's another team out there that plays a little bit like Gonzaga and is, is kind of skilled, and that's Iowa. I mean, Iowa plays with great space. They play with great spacing. If you double Garza, he's going to kick it out. Everyone on the floor makes threes. Wieskamp is one of the best rebounding wings in the country who can mm-hmm. beat you off the bounce. They're going to be in the conversation. You know, I think that Villanova's going to be in the conversation. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, he does some things. Like the other day, he got a defensive rebound. He initiated fast break. He, look, he looked like Bam Adebayo. I mean – and then, you know, Caleb Daniels is is, is immersed as kind of, you know, not Sadiq Bay, but Sadiq Bay-ish. Uh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. And now Gillespie is so tough. And Samuels plays at such a high level. Uh, Villanova's going to be in conversation. Michigan State's going to be in the conversation. And Michigan State, this is the most versatile team Tom's had. I mean, you lose the player of the year in the Big Ten. You mm-hmm. lose one of the best defenders and one of the best passers in the Big Ten. 
who also rebounds the ball and brings toughness to Xavier Tillman, mm-hmm. and you might be better. The ball's not in one guy's hands. They're not so reliant on Cassius making a play, and I'm the biggest Cassius Winston fan. I just I, mean, <laughs> I think he's the best, one of the best kids I've ever been around. Uh, wow. I think he's got a Ph.D. in ball screen offense. I think he's inclusive. I think guys like to play with him. Don't look at his body. Just look at his productivity. Sure, he's sure. You feel good about my body. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think Michigan State, Joey Hauser is, is a double-double when he, you know, steps on the court and he's shooting over 40 from the three. I mean, they've got c- tremendous versatility. I mean, Gabe Brown's seen a big basket. You can bring him off the bench. You can play Aaron Henry and Josh and and Rocket together, and that would be a tremendous perimeter in terms of defensively. I think Oregon is getting better. Oregon, Oregon is – is getting healthier and, and uh, you know, they got to get Will Richardson back, but I mean, uh, they're an interesting team. I wouldn't put them in that upper echelon, but they're an interesting sure. team that kind of intrigues me. And you got to look at veteran teams. They got to look at veteran teams. You know, Tennessee, they're going to rely on those two freshmen, Keon Johnson and, and Jared Springer, but they're a veteran team and they can flat ass guard you. I mean, they mm-hmm. can guard you and the Ponds can guard all five to five positions on the floor. Fulkerson's become a really good inside scorer. And they've got Josiah James as a sophomore knows where his shots are coming from. So, you know, I think there are, there are a number of very good teams. Uh, But the first two you mentioned, I mean, Baylor and talk about two-way basketball. Mm -hmm. I mean, their their game is the best in the country. I mean, they have the best four four or five guards. If you you include Cryer in the conversation, I mean, they're bringing Flagger off the bench. He's averaging 14 points a game. He's shooting over 40 from the three, and and sure. he is fearless. They got three guys that average almost two steals a game. I mean, defensively, they can dominate wow. you. And 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 Mark Vidal is, to me, the best player in the country you don't have to run a play for because he's going to fetch it. He's going to run. He's going to defend your other teams. Front court player will be able to switch on the guards and short clock. Uh, you know, so, I mean, I think we've got, like, eight or ten teams that have – a legitimate, not a legitimate chance. We saw two last night. Can't I mean Kansas shooted mm-hmm. a lick last night, but uh, you know they did enough things. Great underneath that a bounce play at the end. That's a play Bill Self runs all the time. Yes, yes. Out a different set. He changed the set a little bit, and because he changed the set a little bit, he kind of disguised it a little bit. Uh, but it's a great play because on the down screen, second down screen for the lob. If you take away the inside cut. Ogbaje can bump it back and shoot a three. They used to do that a lot with uh, – oh, my man. My man with the ball hit spot. Uh, oh, uh, who was there for – Number 34, uh, Perry. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Perry Ellis. Perry Ellis. Yeah, they would Perry Ellis. And I, Perry, look, I got the same cut as you. Perry. Hey, welcome to the party. Welcome to the party. God is beautiful. You'll never, look, you'll never look any different. Shave it down good and low. Get rid of the gray hair. Gray hair, you're fine, but – that play that they run where they set the inside's first screen and that guy goes hard to the rim and widens out, but you still have to guard him. And then Abaji came in and set set that screen, and then they down screen for him and loop him. If they take the inside cut away, he just bumps that back, and he has a shot or he can post it. So Bill Self is as good in special situations as any team in the country. And they won that game. Jalen Wilson didn't play well. On the other hand, you've got Chris Beard last three years. Co-Big 12 champions, an Elite Eight, a championship game, or mm-hmm. two first-round draft choices, one second-round draft choice. I mean, they're going to continue to get better. So yeah. there's just a lot of good teams. 
Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Uh, first of all, Seth Greenberg joined us, ESPN College Basketball Analyst, two-time uh, ACC Coach of the Year. And make sure you guys go and follow his podcast, man. I'm telling you, Bard is beautiful. You just heard it from him yourself. And uh, so it is definitely confirmation. Uh, when And you were talking about those experienced teams, some of the most experienced in the country. I'm not even sure if anybody is more experienced than Wisconsin is. Uh, I know that they took a loss early in the season to uh, to Marquette on the road in a rivalry game, but I can only imagine that they're going to get better. And I'm, while we're talking about conferences, uh, sticking right here within the Big Ten, uh, we got a big one coming up, number one in the country against number three tomorrow. You talked a little bit about Iowa, Gonzaga. Which way are you going on that one, and what are the keys to the wins for each of those teams? Yeah, just before I do that, I'll hit on, on Wisconsin. Wisconsin might be one of the most experienced teams in the country with the most experienced Front court, obviously Potter and 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 Reavers, and that's a really tough matchup because those two bigs can step away. Now Potter missed that free throw blockout in the Marquette game. Uh, he just stepped in, and and uh, the Lewis kid did a good job of wedging him underneath and catch it and finish. It was a big time play. And Mar Marquette's one of the most improved defensive teams in the country, even though they lost last night to Kevin Willard, who mm -hmm. Mamba Feely uh, was absolutely terrific. What a He's great a monster, a big and. And Roden is improving. And uh, what a great job that Kevin's done because they lost, I think, two of the first three. And to get your team to play that level, then they get an Oregon win and obviously get Marquette win. They're playing really well. Uh, you know, there's a couple things. When you talk about Iowa, you got to be committed defensively. So, I mean, first and foremost, you're playing Gonzaga, you better get your ass back because mm -hmm. it comes out in the first seven seconds. A little bit like Michigan State, their speed game, they advance past the ball. And Suggs has got to be a guy you got to keep out of the lane, but you also got to just contain them in transition because the people he's throwing it ahead to, Ayayi gets to the rim, Kispert can actually shoot it. He's got a great shot fake and put it down. Uh, Timmy has been terrific. Uh, they got to be really physical with Timmy, you, you know, because I, th I thought Timmy didn't enjoy the physicality of the West Virginia front court. Hmm. Uh, the defense transition first and foremost for both teams because both teams are going to try to play ahead of the defense. Uh, I think the second thing for Iowa is when they get in a half quarter, they can make some shots. They can extend their defense to that soft pressure. Don't let Gonzaga throw over the top because they will they will attack. But if they can just soft trap and contain, now they're exposed. They're less exposed in the half court. You want to get Gonzaga to play in the half court because then you, at least you can decide what you're going to give, what you can take away, who you're going to help off of. Uh, they're just not as good. They're, they're good, but they're not as good in the half court. So, uh, that that's going to be really important. Gonzaga, uh, Iowa setting their defense. So in other words, good floor balance so they can get back. Good shot selection so they can get back. Because your shot selection, your your defensive transitions connected to your shot selection. So those are, I think are two really important things for for uh, for Iowa. On the other hand, I think for Gonzaga, you, know, you talk about Garza. Do you want to let Garza defend Garza, or are you going to scrape on him, double on him, and then worry about those three point shooters? And I think you got to play guards. At worst, you, you double them on the bounce. You double you don't double them on the catch. You try okay. to beat him over, get him a little bit off his spot. And the reason I say that is that if not, he's he's done a better job of pitching it out off of double teams. And you saw sure. what happened in the in the North Carolina game. Frederick's mm -hmm. knocking shots down, and Wieskamp's knocking shots down, and Bohannon's knocking not shots down. So I think you got to play him one on one. You got to defend him early. You got to play him one on one. The problem is. You got a guy like Timmy, he can get Timmy in foul trouble. Correct. Yep. So if you don't play him one on one, you got to pick who you're going to double off of. And you probably have to double off of Ayayi, but then he becomes a slasher and a cutter on the weak side. 
if you double off of one of the shooters, you got to rotate and force him to throw it out to the IE because you can't let Fredericks and Wieskamp and those guys shoot step in threes. You just can't. You can't let them do it. Uh, I, I'd like to see Gonzaga extend their defense a little bit. If you saw in that ten minute period where where North Carolina made their run, they got some stuff out of their scramble. So, like to me, get the ball out of people and make maybe some of those front court guys be be ball handlers. I think that'll be really uh, be really interesting. My gut is Gonzaga wins the game. Okay. I trust their defense more than, and I think they have the ability to change a little bit when when Iowa goes to that zone. They're not as they got to figure out. They got to take something away. Mm-hmm. Gonzaga is a little bit more committed defensively. Yeah, just and just hearing you say, man, you just threw a, a crap load at us, and that's that's why you're here, man. We're so happy to have you here because we're learning so much. And obviously, me being somebody that's watched this game since I was ten years old, we're probably, probably talking over a little over twenty five years now. Uh, just definitely uh, uh, very in tune with uh, you know how you're breaking down this game, and obviously me, but I, I think it's okay for the viewers for me to speak for them. We really appreciate you breaking it down the way that you have. Uh, and, and I can only imagine for that game coming up tomorrow, man, you're going to see a crap load of definitely like offensive firepower uh, oh, that's going to yeah. take place. I mean, yeah, on the floor, it's, it's going to be absolutely crazy. Um, I want to stick with as, as you know, you talked about some of the upper echelon of, of different teams, obviously. Why do you think that we have seen this season look the way that it has for some of these uh, blue blood programs. And on top of that, I kind of, and I guess Kansas may be the exception for some, but uh, you know, who are out- Sure. Sure. Uh, I was having this conversation with a couple different buddies of mine and just kind of picking their brains. When we talk about blue blood programs, okay. Who are they? How many is there? And what's the criteria to determine blue blood programs? Because obviously the consensus will probably say the Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky, and probably UCLA. If we're, th- you know, talking as a whole, Long-term tradition. In terms of tradition. uh, What determines that criteria? And are there any others that you can put in that conversation? Because you do have your Villanovas, Connecticut's, Michigan States, and others that have won some national championships. Well, I mean, I think Michigan State's a blue blood. I think Villanova, they've won two championships in the last five years. I think they're they're a blue blood. There's no doubt about it. I think Arizona, even though they haven't won a championship, you know, I I coached Long Beach State for a long time, I mean, in the Mm -hmm. West Coast. I mean, they've had a run that's been incredible. Obviously, Lute Olsen won a, a national championship, uh, you know, there. Uh, you, know, you know, to me, it's tradition, it's consistency, it's passion and ownership. You know, I mean, there was a time that UNLV was a blue blood. When I was at Long Beach yeah. State and Tark was there, I mean, shoot. I mean, they, they were getting pros and they, they were winning championships. They were getting a multiple Final Fours. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, I think what you said at the beginning, I think Michigan State's got to be in the blue blood conversation. I mean, just uh, yeah, to me, the consistency, the number of Final Fours, uh, the style in which they play, uh, just walk around Breslin and see all those banners, man. I mm-hmm. mean, there's a lot of banners. Uh, you know, Duke and Carolina and Kentucky are, are, are no-brainers. Uh, I'd say a team emerging is a Virginia. Mm-hmm. Great ownership consistency, success. Now, you know, I mean, they're not in the same conversation because they don't have the long-term history. I mean, if, if, you know, Leonard Hamilton calls Florida State new bloods. Yeah. (laughs) And you know what? And I don't disagree. They're the best team in the ACC right right now in this moment in time. Florida State's the best team in the ACC. 
But what's happening with the other tradition rich programs, like say Kentucky, uh, you know, Kim Brooks hasn't played yet. So they have, they're playing every single game with a, a team that's never had a guy play at Kentucky and put on a uniform. Yeah. Don't work in a pandemic. Probably doesn't mm-hmm. work out of a pandemic. Yeah. Sure, it doesn't work in a pandemic where they didn't have the summer that they normally would have. They didn't have a better understanding of playing those four or five non-conference games where those guarantee games where you kind of get a better feel, you get some confidence. You you know, John gets a feel for what he, what they're good at, what they're bad at. Uh, you saw it with Kentucky, you saw it with Duke. Uh, how do you learn to play hard? You know what? That's a learned trait. These young guys, as good as Boston is, as good as Clark is, uh, they don't know yet. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, the Askew kid, the poor kid is a freshman, but he should be a senior. Devin Askew, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, that's a huge, huge jump. Name me one guy that graduated high school early, mm-hmm. that skipped his senior year, and mm-hmm. has had success. It's hard to find dudes like that. Because college basketball is hard. Here's the deal people understand. You can watch it on TV, and that shit looks easy. Mm-hmm. It isn't. The jump from high school to college is a bitch. Mm-hmm. All right? accountability, how hard you have to play, embracing a role, playing with other good players, being competitive, not taking plays off. And then the jump from college (laughs) to the league. So for all your people out there, that next level is an exclusive club, a exclusive club. But here's the deal. For the people out there, you know what you need to get in that club? You need to be really good at something because excluding the top 25, 30 players, it's a league of role players. And if you are really good at what you do, you stick around and you make real money. My guy, Dorian Finney-Smith at Dallas. Yeah. You know he's going to defend. He's going to make open shots. He's going to make the he's, the ball's not going to get stuck. Guy's going to have a 12-year NBA career. Let me you know, ask you this real quick. And I, and I obviously don't want to hold you too long because I know I don't want to take up too much of your time. I'm just really happy that you're able to join us. How does or should – the AP uh, ranked teams in the top 25 with some of the lesser games played. So we see how it's happening right now in, in college football with Ohio State not playing as many teams as others. Uh, you know, so you have your Tennessee who's played three games, Gonzaga four, Florida State four, uh, Baylor four, Houston four, Virginia four, and Louisville four. With all of those, how do you determine or how should the AP determine how these teams should be ranked because they haven't played not only as many games as some of the others, but maybe not even the same kind of competition with it being so early in the season. Who gives a crap December 20th? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like I, 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 I mentor a bunch of coaches. I talked to a a coach the other day and he was all worried. The team was just shut down. They're missing opportunities to play good games. And I said, coach, I say the most important thing you got to worry about right now is the mental health of your team the emotional health of your team, the spirit of your team. You're not winning. You, you're like, here's the deal. You're an NCAA tournament team, mm-hmm. you're a one, two or three seed. So, you know, here's the deal. It's, this is real simple. If you, how you react to the pandemic and games canceled and, and contact tracing and everything else, your team's going to take on your personality. So like sure. you can't win a national championship. Your, your, your team is good enough to win a national championship. It's one of those coaches that we've been talking about. Let's put it that way. Okay. You have to win national championship. All right. So, like, the most important thing is to worry about your team, control your controllables, understand we're all going to have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. The pandemic right. controls us. We don't control it. And keep your team moving forward. And keeping your team moving forward, the most important thing is to keep them 
and a good mental frame of mind. So like, you know, all these top 25s and the, all the gurus, you know, daily top 25s. I don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean Doesn't anything. Mean, you know, and, and the football thing's a joke. Cincinnati's undefeated. And, I know. And Florida's got two losses. And they're like knocking on the door. <laughs> and that's it's just easy not to root for Florida, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. because they don't they don't deserve it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just a, they lost to a bad LSU team. They did. I mean, like, so they say every game counts. Well, if every game counts, you lost to a bad LSU team. Boom, you're out. Done. Mm -hmm. Free. Mm -hmm. Get out of the conversation. Move someone else in. So you know, I just think that we'll have games. We're going to get into league play. Uh, you know, the thing the, the hardest thing is for the committee, I think, is going to be how, how do you seat eventually St. Louis, who's really mm -hmm. good? Good mm -hmm. win against NC State. Now, NC yes, State was last night, with, yeah, but they were about playing without Funderburg and they're playing without Cam Hayes, and those two guys are really good, but mm -hmm. still a great win. Sure, and they've had good wins. And Richmond, mm -hmm. um, looking at the A10, the A10 has tremendous, tremendous depth this year. St. Bonaventure, the Lofton kid is really yes. good really hard he's a great leader uh uh the, the post kid is really really good so i mean you look at the a10 and they're 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 the bottom of the a10 is not good but the, the, the upper echelon the a10 the mm -hmm. there's there's no rock and chair games and so how are you going to evaluate those teams you know how are you going to evaluate uh teams in the mountain west you know san diego state's really good you know what happens if unlv gets hot what happens mm -hmm. if you else how do you look at those teams and san diego state's the real deal it's amazing they lose malachi flynn mm -hmm. and, and you know they're they are really good shackles good miller's good uh nate uh nathan menses rebounds every single ball from all over the place i mean he's really mm -hmm. good so we can't get caught up in looking at rankings uh, rankings right now because like wake forest hasn't played a game yeah haven't played a game and that i don't think DePaul has played a game maybe yeah, so I mean, like, so I mean, and, and those teams aren't NCAA tournament teams. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is that you show teams four and all. It's who you play, when you play, where you play them. That's what your record is. Who you play, when you play, where you play them. So you know what? You just uh, take a deep breath. Let, talk to me in February. You're going to have a better understanding of the identity of teams and how teams have handled adversity and the substance of who they are and how they win. Like, you know, to me, you don't find out about your team until you hit some adversity. So you're going to find out about some teams when they hit like Kentucky. We'll find out about Kentucky. They're going to play North Carolina. They better get back on defense, better handle a scramble, and they better execute better offensively. But they're going to be playing against two freshman guards, RJ Jibbs, Caleb Love, and yep. they're turning it over 22% of possessions, North Carolina. So can Kentucky rebound the ball? Can they turn North Carolina over? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. So things will play out. The season tells a story, you know, uh, you know, trying to forecast in a pandemic when certain teams have played games and certain teams haven't played games. I mean, it's great and it gets clicks and all that jazz and that's cool. And I, you know, I'm all for people making a living, but it doesn't mean anything. Last couple minutes of your time, Seth, we do this thing on our show as we get ready to conclude with people called quick release. And now that we have you in here with us, it's just gonna, I'm just gonna run a couple questions by you. Take as long as you want to answer them, but, for the most part, it's rapid fire style. Yep. Um, which is the mid-major team that nobody is talking about? Maybe not receiving the recognition, but could be a threat to reach the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. 
Well, I don't know if they're talking about St. Louis. I'm talking about St. Louis. I don't know about the rest of the world, but I'll tell you what, <laughs> uh, Goodwin rebounds every missed shot. Javante Perkins is absolutely a load. He can Hassan he, French. He can mm-hmm. score the ball. And Hassan French, even though he's not scoring, is, is, is playing at a high level. And uh, the little point guard, uh, Yuri uh, – oh, my God. Just Yuri Collins has been terrific. Collins, yeah. Terrific. So, uh, you know, I would say – those two from the A-10 are, are playing at a really high level. And I'll tell you, Cameron Crotwig is still alive and well at Loyola. And they're going to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. They're going to be pretty good. Northern Iowa is going to be pretty good. A.J. Green is very, very good. And, you know, obviously they a really, really skilled team. So I'd say those teams uh, deserve a little respect. Kudrig coming back from uh, still one of the players that's left from that Final Four run. Uh, player two. Best conference in the country? Would you go Big Ten, Big, 10. Big Twelve, or someone else? Big Ten easily? Not even, not even close. And I understand the number of this. I think that there's five teams in the Big Twelve. Big Twelve is right below it. Mm-hmm. Big Ten is right there. I'll tell you who's who's down though. I'd put the ACC four ACC. or five. ACC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who do you? Who would you take today to win the Big Ten? I'm going to be a little different until someone proves me wrong. I'm going to say Michigan State. Now, Illinois is really good. We haven't mentioned him. I would assume, and obviously, you saw what Kofi did the other day. Mm-hmm. Adam Miller had a, a, a bounce back game. You know, he started off so well, and he struggled a couple games, which freshmen are going to do, especially now. But until someone gets state, I, I there's something about this state team that I really like. I think, you know, they can bring Marble off the bench. They can get Malik Hall off the bench. They can get Brown off the bench. They can play small. They can play big. Uh, uh, until someone gets them, you know, obviously it's going to be Iowa. It's going to be Illinois. I mean, mm-hmm. the depth of the league is just mm-hmm. so Wisconsin. It's so Rutgers good. pretty good. Yeah. Rut, Rut, Rutgers should be, if you ask me a high, a high major team that, that I'm high on. I did something yesterday in our half times. And I said, uh, maybe one of the most unappreciated teams in the country. Harper's yeah. a bit. Geo Baker's a great closer. Uh, you know, they defend, they rebound both sides of the ball. They have a toughness. I think it's the Mulcahy kid who is the big 6'6 white kid who's the point guard who can really handle and just tough and strong. Sure. Uh, I mean, they're they're just good. I mean, they're good. Uh, you know, the Mathis kid and, and the young kid. I mean, Young's a big-time athlete. They've just got a hard <laughs> average talent. And Missouri, SEC is an underappreciated team. I think Missouri is a second-weekend team. When Cudzo Martin gets veteran guards and veteran mm-hmm. teams, watch out. Because if they buy into him when they're juniors and seniors, mm-hmm. know how to play, but more importantly, they know how to compete. It's funny that you even said that, mentioning some of the more, uh, I don't know if I'd say underappreciated or whatever, what have you, teams. That kind of led into one of my questions, which was, you know, which one of the ones kind of feel like maybe they're the most, you know, disrespected or maybe not getting the recognition in the top 25. I think Houston might be in that conversation. Rutgers, you mentioned Missouri. Uh, Michigan, maybe even in that conversation, perhaps. Michigan's good. Dickinson's really good. The freshman post guy is really, really mm-hmm. good. They got those big. I mean, you know, think about it, you got Livers and you got Wagner and you've got Brown. Those are three big time wing guys. Yes, they now, are the Smith kids done a nice job. Uh, you know, you got to replace Xavier Simpson's toughness mm-hmm. in adversity. I haven't seen him play face a ton of adversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like Michigan's team. I really like their overall length. 
Houston has as good a backcourt as there is in the country. Houston's got a little bit of that Baylor sure. in them. They're a little undersized, but they have a toughness. Quentin Grimes is playing really, really well right now. And, and Caleb Mills isn't even playing that well. But the kid, the, the Marquette, the freshman, is absolutely terrific. Jarreau rebounds the ball. They've got great overall length. Yes, they do. Enables them to rebound the ball and, and disrupt. Uh, just a couple more questions for you here. We were talking a little bit about Michigan State earlier. Obviously, I'm in Atlanta based out of and from originally from Lansing. Do you think that we'll see Imani Bates in a Michigan State uniform at any point? I, you know, I doubt it. Uh, but, you know, it'll be interesting to watch. You know, the collective bargaining agreement has, hasn't come through yet. So, yeah, it's, right. you know, that's going to control the whole thing. Uh, will he go to the G League Academy? I don't know. We'll see how that thing washes out. But uh, I was our college game day game was at in Lansing uh, when he had his his visit last year. Sure, and a great kid, uh, and really, you know, obviously superbly talented. Uh, that would be interesting. Tom, their, their recruiting's gone well. I joke with Tom. Tom said, "Look, we're you know this is one of the best recruiting classes we've ever had." I said, "Yeah, because people haven't had a chance to visit with you." <laughs> you laughed. He's happily mentioned that. Last two questions for you, Seth. The first one being, I know that you're a pizza connoisseur. You're a pizza guy. New York. You, you, okay. Uh, easy. You knew where I was going with that one. <laughs> I do watch, I, I do like deep dish and I do like Sicilian, but I, I grew up on thin crust, a little crispy on the bottom. Okay. Okay. Good deal. And last but certainly not least, give me your... Um, I guess uh, your best Bill Walton story uh, that can actually be shared maybe on air anyways. Uh, give me your best Bill Walton story. I mean, here's my thing about Bill Walton. It's real, so my brother, uh, Coach Bill Walton, my brother was the G assistant GM of the Trailblazers and, and, and the NBA. And uh, the greatest thing about Bill is this is a fact. You cannot deny it. Okay. I really believe this is true. He knows more about nothing than any person in the world. <laughs> And, and, and it is absolutely unbelievable. And the best story was we were in Arizona, Phoenix for the final four and he came on the set and I don't recessed him a question and he went eight to 10 minutes. And just nobody could say a word, but no, I, I had no freaking idea what he was talking about. <laughs> the cat die and the mountains and this and that I was doubled over. I tell you, I was laughing so hard when the show was over. I thought I just did about 200 crunches. <laughs> I mean, but, but, but I, of all the vivid memories in my mind, I remember him against Memphis and how he played. And the other thing that I think is amazing is, uh, you know, what I miss in coaching, the, the relationship that he had with coach Wooden, mm. and the growth and how it changes and this is what people don't understand. Your your relationship with your players change uh, from the recruiting process to having them on your campus to watching them become husbands and parents mm -hmm. uh, and citizens impacting their communities. Mm -hmm. And to you know, listen to him talk about Coach Wooden in a more serious vein mm -hmm. uh, and the, the the metamorphosis of their relationship. It 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 makes me miss coaching when he starts because that's why you coach. Mm. That's what co coaching is. People think coaching is all about what you see on TV and obviously sure. paying games, 
Coaching is about helping someone get somewhere they can't get themselves. Coaching is the relationship 10 years down the line, going to weddings, getting pictures, you know, Christmas cards, getting you know, pictures of their kids, grad, your, your foreign players' kids graduating. To me, that's coaching. And that's kind of listening to Bill talk about those things is, is pretty cool. Let me say this before we get you out of here, man. Seth, this is one that you uh, didn't necessarily have to do today, but you took the time out. You see me on the uh, on the Twitter kind of engaging in, obviously being a big college basketball hoop head. Probably anybody would tell you there's none bigger than me. And uh, I really thank you for, for being able to take the time out of your busy day, busy schedule, uh, and got a lot going on and so forth uh, for joining me here. And hopefully whenever you make it to Atlanta or we bump into each other at some of the same places, uh, maybe we can do some catching up then at that time. You got it, man. Doing great work. Stay, stay healthy. Wear your mask and stay healthy. We're going to get through this thing in the next few months. Will do. We'll keep that in mind. Appreciate you uh, for, for joining us. That's for sure. That is none other than Seth Greenberg, two-time ACC Coach of the Year. ESPN college basketball analyst. You see him at halftime uh, on ESPN for college basketball games and so forth and gave us a ton of knowledge on today for us to uh, be able to enjoy and take with us uh, going into the new year and some things to look out for for tomorrow's Gonzaga and Iowa game and so forth and uh, a couple under the radar teams that maybe not a lot of people are talking about, some different players maybe getting you to kind of look at your team a little bit differently when you're watching them now, who to look out for and so forth. So really glad for uh, for him to be able to come on and, and, and join us. Obviously, that's always a pleasure and an honor to be able to have him. And so in conclusion, want to let everybody know, man, appreciate everybody for uh, checking in with us. We got quite a few people who have checked in with us and, and show quite a bit of love and, uh, you know, just just thankful, overly thankful, overly appreciative for him to be able to join us. But for the people to be able to engage, remember, you can also do that if you like anytime um, uh, that you see us going on live. It's takes take the podcast. You never knew who you were going to get. You know, we've had Jay Billis on this thing before. Uh, we've had, you know, got reporters that were in the bubble for the NBA during the playoffs and uh, just a little bit of everybody. You never know who you're going to get. Uh, and so I always try to encourage people uh, to definitely give me a follow, tell a friend, tell a family member, uh, you know, tell, tell an enemy doesn't matter. Tell mama, tell grandmama. I tell you a lot of times to make sure that you do that because, uh, you know, every time you do that, you're making somebody's dream come true. A young man's dream come true. That's been wanting to do this and work alongside of some of the people that I brought on today, making some of these things happen, uh, in Seth Greenberg. And so you go in and simply subscribe, just do me that one solid favor instead of scrolling across Facebook and you just so happen to come across it. You can get those notifications to your phone. All you have to do is subscribe to take, take the podcast. I promise it takes less than 30 seconds. If it wasn't Christmas time, I put some money in your pocket. If it took longer than 30 seconds, I promise you it doesn't. You subscribe uh, to Tate's take the podcast anywhere you find your favorite podcast, iTunes, Google podcast, Spotify, Red Circle, Stitcher, Make sure that you subscribe on YouTube uh, as well, uh, where we're streaming uh, on Facebook, even uh, leave a review, leave, you know, give us a rating, if you will. Let us know what you think about the podcast. We call it the best, the most entertaining, the most educational and the most informational basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast, 94 feet long, 50 feet wide, anywhere you want to get the best. 
you'll find it right here at Tate's Take. And even give me a follow on social media. Engage with me. I love a little bit of engagement. Uh, that's how me and Seth met through engaging on uh, on Twitter and social media at Tate's Take Hoops. I promise it's a great follow. I do a lot of retweeting, but I'm starting to get into the habit of doing some original content as well. At Tate's Take Hoops, where basketball lives, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. Tate's Take Hoops. I promise you, you'll love it. Uh, and, and I'm just thankful for all you guys to be able to join me. Those of you who are joining me live now, those of you who are going to join me live in the future uh, and telling people about it, keeping me in your prayers and so forth. I'm just thankful for uh, you guys to be able to get something out of these type of podcasts and me being able to deliver it to uh, to your homes, to your phones, to your laptops, desktops, the whole nine, whatever it may be. So appreciate everybody for coming through and showing some love. Uh, feel free to share it. And um just looking forward to the next one. We got some some more awesome guests. I'm going to tease it a little bit. I ain't going to tell you who they are. That's the whole purpose behind why you need to subscribe. Make sure that you go and do that and make sure you leave that rating as well as that review. Uh, appreciate everybody for coming through, man. I'll show you all some love here in a minute. Peace. Appreciate Seth Greenberg, by the way, for coming in and joining us as well.